Hello, and welcome to the What We've Watched podcast. This is episode 50, our top five 1950s films. So uh, this is uh, our second one of these uh, decade top fives. We did, for episode 40, we did our, our 1940 films. And uh, this, this one, we're going to do 1950s. Yeah, who are you? Uh, oh! Uh, my name's Chris. This is Emmett. Hey! <laughs> it's a podcast! Um, um, yeah. Uh, yes, we are, this is episode 50. This yeah. is a big, big landmark. Um also, I, I don't know, I, I imagine uh, probably some of you um, who listen uh, may have seen on our Facebook page for the podcast, oh, right. uh, Chris made a post a little bit ago about us passing a thousand total listens this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Um, and actually, we like blew right by it. I think oh, yeah. I think this morning... It was I, like, I was like, oh, it's like five listens to a thousand. And then like it was immediately like a thousand and eighteen yeah, listens. Yeah. To yeah. This, I was like, this morning, wow. I think when I checked, it was like 10, mm-hmm. 28 or something. Mm-hmm. We had like 40 listens this week. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it may still sound like sound small potatoes to like a big, bigger operation. But like, that's pretty cool for us because, you know, we're, I mean, we know that we're like a small drop oh, in a yeah, very yeah. large ocean of content. Yeah. So we really appreciate that, it. That, that average is that's about, amazing. That's more than I would have expected. That average is about twenty listens an episode, mm-hmm. which is ten times as many people listen to this podcast as make this podcast. Right. So that's yeah, that's pretty. good. No, it's it's cool. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's really great. Definitely appreciate that. And um, if you if you didn't see the post on the Facebook, there, check our Facebook out and yeah. like it and stuff, like because uh, that'd be awesome. Um, we really appreciate everyone that's listened so far, and um, if you've got friends or something who might be interested, mm-hmm. um, refer them to us, please. Yeah. Um, so, just by way of a quick little introduction here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, yeah, we, we've been doing, you know, on episode 40, we did top five of the 40s. 40s yeah. We kind of decided to do this thing about these decade-based top tens. Or top fives, sorry. Yep. I mean, I guess it's sort of like a top, top 10. Top 50s. No, it's sort of uh, a top 10 with mm-hmm. between the two of us kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, and uh, I think I probably, for the most part, um, speak for Chris here as well, that, you know, with the 40s one, it was cool because, you know, there are, there are, like, a bunch of movies from mm-hmm. the 40s that we like and that's, that's good. We stand by those lists. Well, that was definitely one where I was, like, initially I was, like, Oh man, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, oh, not as hard as I thought. Yeah, but, but at the same time, like, I, I somewhat I, could, I was very easily able to make a list of every movie I've ever seen from the forties. Yeah, and it wasn't that big a list. Yeah, like know? it's somewhat limited just because it's not like a big, yeah. a big. Oh, it wasn't a big one for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, the forties, uh, as much as like you know, it had some really good movies in there. And we definitely stand by that list. Like, we would, you know, totally support any of the movies that we mm-hmm. mentioned, and they're good, and we yeah. like them, and we recommend them. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit limited. Like, it was kind of like, here's here's a bunch of movies that from that decade that we, we've we seen yeah. that we think are good. Yeah. Um, whereas I think for the 50s, this is where um, 
it really starts to get into like this is this this is where like we really kind of know a lot more. Yeah, we've seen a lot more, and it's the stuff. It's where we start to get into the stuff that we're more into. Mm. Um, I I really love this decade for yeah. games. Like, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, I think the thing about the for- that makes the forties a bit weird, and I mean, no offense to anyone who really likes nineteen forties movies. Um, but for me, I think what kind of has kept me a bit away from getting as into it as, as I might otherwise is um, it was just kind of weird. It was with the, with World War II going on through most of that decade. It was just kind of like a weird time yeah. um, in terms of like how they sort of – not as many movies were being made. Um, There's a lot of like the big stars and stuff were actually either – you know, like unavailable, literally or... in the war, like they were in the army and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or, um, or you know, they would be off doing USO shows and stuff like that, and and you know, entertaining the troops and things like that, and so like there was a bit of a, um, a talent drain. Yeah. Um, not that I mean, there were still lots of good people left in the forties, but just some of the the biggest stars and stuff weren't it, really available. There was a there was a disruption. It caused a disruption. Yeah. That was like both in terms of talent and in terms of like style just of movie. sort of the chaos of yeah. the time like it was just you know the, the, there, there was other things that were being yeah, focused yeah, on yeah. um more than making movies at the time like the attitude of movies um, at the time were yeah yeah a, a, lot, a lot and changed. uh i think definitely it was probably the height of um the influence of the the Hayes production code in terms of yeah. the limitations of what they could get away with and stuff like that um because I like in the fifties, I think they, I feel like they got a little bit better at finding ways around, like finding ways to express certain ideas that would be difficult to express under the code, uh-huh. but sort of finding a way to kind of do them in such a way that it kind of got around the code without technically yeah. breaking it, type of thing. They just got better at like manipulating it, I uh-huh. guess. Um, and um, it, it's yeah like so. like specifically like it seems like the 50s were the birth of like uh real uh, like uh, for that time period real like uh you know in terms of the code stuff was um clever innuendo yeah. for everything that they couldn't actually talk about mm-hmm. like you know not not just you know obviously like you know se- sex things yeah um that's gonna send that in a more awkward way. <laughs> That's fine. I, uh, I, I get it. Uh, but like, it's just kind of any given topic yeah, that yeah. was like, yeah. like, no, you can't. Well, talk it was incredibly about restrictive. Using, using, uh, like, sort of, um, like, some sort of cl- clever way of getting around where yeah. everybody knows what you're talking about, even though you're not saying it, mm-hmm. and uh, especially for humor stuff, um, which in a way, um, I think, kind of made those things more funny. Yeah. You know, I because agree. being the, having to be clever and funny yep. rather than just being like obtuse and funny. Yeah, uh, so, you know. So, so that to me is kind of the main difference between those two decades. And for us personally, like I say, it's just it's where it's where the things that we kind of really are into start. Yep. And I also think that it's where our individual uh, tastes and interests are going to start to kind of diverge a little bit. Yes. Not not to say that we're not. You know, we don't like a lot of the same movies, mm-hmm. but we like them to different degrees, and our yeah. our, our focus is in different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a feeling that probably our lists are going to be very different. Um, but I this mean, is where it gets I'm, I'm, a lot more personal. Like, this is where, instead yeah. of just being a list of some uh, generally held-to-be-very-good movies that I've seen that I liked, yeah. this is where it gets into, like, 
this is the stuff that I personally really mm-hmm. like that really appeals to me that is not necessarily objectively the best movies, but they're my favorite ones of the time, you know? Yeah. So uh, this, this is where it gets sort of more personal, more individual. For sure, for sure. Uh, the 50s for me contain, like, some of my favorite uh, actors and actresses mm-hmm. are from this time. Like, or uh, from the, like, this is where they either got their big, like, this yeah. is where they either became big. Or they sort of peaked. This is, yeah, where they peaked. Yeah. Uh, and and the same for, for some directors, too. Like, like oh, the 50s were their, like, Mm-hmm. The, the the spotlight for them. I definitely that will agree definitely with that. Refl- it's going to be reflected on. Oh my yeah, list. I agree with that. Um, All right, uh, crossover. What do you think? Any? Um, probably not much. Not much. I I'm thinking maybe one and I just because you were we off air we talked a bit about like how the format of your list. Yeah. Um. So I think just maybe one because because uh, yeah because well I mean time. you know you kind of have an I know I know what you want. I was a little concerned because I feel like a lot of my list is not going to be. A, at all surprising to you because you kind of know what I like from this it's, era. I'm, I'm interested but. as to like how that stuff ranks on your list. Okay. Like, I know what you like. I'm like, okay, but what does he like more than other stuff? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Well, I'm really curious about like, yours because I, I, mean, I really don't know. This. I don't know. Well, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say yeah, what I'm no, say that's cool. I, we I think we're good. I think, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's, um, I have a couple of, uh, at the end of my list, actually, I have a couple of special mentions. Okay. Like two special mentions that are specifically not on my list. Okay. Even though they could be, but they're very specific reasons are not on my okay. list. So I'll, they're, I, they're like I, also rands, but but not like okay. You know, Fair these enough. are not included for very specific. You reasons. can explain at the end. Yeah, I'll explain at the end. But yeah, um, yeah uh, for me, I have kind of like runner ups, mm-hmm. uh, which I also will do at the end. But basically, like I have. Uh, for my numbers five through two, yeah, each one of them has kind of like a similar sort of runner up that was like this would be the pick if it wasn't for the one that I actually did right. pick. Uh, which I mean, we've done similar things yeah. to that before. I specifically did uh, like my my number one <laughs> stands alone, stands alone yeah. because I really couldn't think of anything that I felt like really belonged there. I sort of did a, a similar thing. Mine is just sort of like here. Here's a couple of movies like. That I like that mm. are very similar to this one, that, yeah. that, but aren't right. as good. Kind of. So, so. Uh, on the zero digits, uh, normally I start. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, you're up number first. We're going to start with my five. Um, so my five. I also I always like to little tease a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my five is the earliest pick on my list. Okay. Uh, it's also the first of two that are black and white. Okay. The rest are all color. Uh, the 50s is really when color started to become more standard for big movies it is definitely interesting to see like this movie's black and white and then like oh this movie's in color wait the black and white movie came out like three years after that color movie it was all over the place I mean it was all over the place but I think that definitely for for big movies it became more common to be in color color. by this point whereas like in the 40s it was still almost all black and white like on our 40s list, I had one movie on I had my one list color. that was color, yeah. and that was the animated one. That was oh, Fantasia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and everything else. All the actual, like, live-action movies were yeah. all black and white. Uh, somehow, the one color on my list was the Danny Kaye one. Like, the yeah. dumb, cheap comedy was yeah. somehow in color. So, so yeah, so yeah, it's so my earliest pick. Early pick. Black okay. and white. Okay. Uh, first of two that are black and white on my list. Okay. From 1951, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. Um, cool. So the reason for this is, um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's pretty classic and everything. Mm-hmm. But for me, it comes down to it's just the sophistication of, like, the message 
that it put across. Like, it was just the writing was really sharp, very, like, literary, and it just had a really strong meaning and a strong message. Considering the kind of movie it was, like, it was, you know, sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Like, You'd think most it would be, like, a B, era, some B-movie, you, you know. know. As is most of, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very pulpy and that, so, like, the effort to put in put into this to make it, like like you say, literary. Yeah, so I, I, I put it, I have a couple of examples here mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to just quickly mention because... What what I always really liked about this movie is the writing and, like, the dialogue and, and how they express the ideas. Mm-hmm. And I just have a couple of examples here where, basically, um, if you're not super familiar with it, um, They There So Still is basically uh, this humanoid alien called Klaatu basically comes down to Earth and, like, you know, flying saucer. Seems like a very sort of cliched beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, maybe not at the time. But... <laughs> Well, yeah, somewhat, but I mean, this is pretty early. This is 51, so, but basically it's, you know, um, he has, he wants to, he wants to talk Uh, to, uh, (laughs) he wants to talk to the, um, you know, the people who are sort of, uh, the leaders, the world leaders. Right. Um, and, um, you know, he, he wants to sort of, you know, it's all, it's all about basically like presenting the earth with this idea that you know look you you people are dangerously you know yeah like violent and kind of stupid and you know and and you're reaching a point where you're gonna start thinking about like moving out into the greater you know universe here and uh you know you really have to kind of smarten up you yeah. know if you want to make a break you want it's a make or break moment yeah um and uh um there's I, I just there's a couple of um things like um the 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 character Klaatu, the alien um he is basically he gets sort of detained um because you know obviously authorities and the governments and stuff like that they don't you know immediately sort of trust him because you know it's just kind of a natural thing to be mistrustful in those situations and stuff like that and they're sort of keeping him de- detained and like he just wants to talk to i think it's like uh he wants to talk to like the, the United Nations or yes. something yeah yeah and, uh, and, you know, they won't let him out and they won't let him out and stuff. And the guy that's kind of assigned to, like, sort of liaise and, and go and talk to him and stuff like that is this um, character, uh, Mr. Harley is his name. And uh, they just sort of keep stalling and keep stalling and stuff. And there's this part where Mr. Harley is like, uh, you know, he's talking to him. And he's like, your patience, your impatience is quite understandable. And Klaatu's response to that is he says, I'm impatient with stupidity. My people have learned to live without it. <laughs> and then Mr. Harley's like, I'm afraid my people haven't. I'm very sorry. I wish it were otherwise. <laughs> and it's just like, that's just, that is some great dialogue. Yeah. Like that. And there's, uh, the other example that I had was just, uh, there's a part where, um, he's like talking to like a, this reporter and the reporter's like, you know, I suppose you're just as scared as the rest of us. And Klaatu says in a different way, perhaps I'm fearful when I see people substituting fear for reason, you know? So I just think like, like it's amazing that this stuff was put into this movie, like in 1951, and it's still so applicable to the world that we live oh. in now, you know. And when you look at the headlines and the news and stuff that we're seeing, you know, like I'm not a big, really political person. Not, not, nor is this ever intended to kind of be a very politically oriented, oriented uh, podcast by any means. This is about entertainment and movies. But when you look at what's going on in the world, it's like you got to you think about that stuff, and it's like it's pretty applicable. To sort of what's going on, and it's it's pretty some pretty deep stuff for it's, like a early fifties yeah. sci fi movie, you know. Like it's it's just yeah. I mean, I just want to use a quick it, couple of quick examples. It's like a 
I mean, the, the danger the whole thing is like that. It delivers the it's like a poignant message mm-hmm. of uh, that, like at the time was, uh, um, I think. Uh, very relevant to the world as uh, yeah, like it was post World War Two, post atomic bomb, yeah, post all that. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is, is like, in that some message ways, has never stopped being yeah. Like we haven't. Like, in some ways, important. we've progressed a lot, and in some ways, we haven't progressed yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's worth going back and looking at the lessons yeah. that that this story yeah. uh, potentially can I, teach. Nineteen fifties Klaatu could come down today, yeah. and he would have to deliver the same like, message. Um, I liked some aspects of the remake, but I was a little bit disappointed because I feel like they went too. They were too focused on the environmental aspect uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the remake the remake was again, all about that was the remake again, was all was about very that. specific to yeah. that like, the remake yeah. was all about sort of the cliche of like of like oh humanity is destroying the earth and yeah, it's, yeah. it's got it's one or the other you know the yeah. earth can survive but i mean i think literally there's a line in the movie that's like if the yeah, earth yeah, is it, to survive humanity, yeah, yeah, yeah. humanity won't or it, something it, yeah you know? well i believe it's the 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 yeah they, they say something along the lines of like no matter what you do yeah like you're only you're wiping yourself out. Yeah. You, the earth will live on without you. And you know? uh, yeah. so I think that they they went a little too heavy on the the yeah. environmental specifically. Whereas in the original film, it's more it's of a general, general thing. Yeah. It's more just like look, just think about what you're doing. Think about you know the the society that you're that you're you know creating and sustaining here, and mm-hmm. and, and is it really sustainable? In the long term, so th- think about your next steps. Yeah, you know, you're um, post World War II. The world is like yeah, growth, like growth of the world and the interaction of like world parties is now at like a uh, like a critical critical kind of point. Thing. Yeah, you know, and like I say, in some ways it's improved since then, mm-hmm. and in some ways it's yeah. just as bad, and yeah. and like you know, if not worse in some ways, and and so I think that the lessons of this film, even with it being you know. 65 year old movie now um are completely still applicable um and it's worth checking out for that for that reason uh also um like there's gort of course is Mm. the the robot the the big robot yeah uh that is used to basically like enforce the (laughs) you know the the directive as it were um or as a threat essentially that was one thing i did like about the remake how they like like visually gort looked yeah. like identical almost yeah it was cool i mean i didn't i didn't like <laughs> he was a little bigger but the whole where they kind of like you're like, like a nano this cloud kind of nano cloud, cloud thing which made sense from the perspective of like well again that, the that whole makes environmental it, thing that, yeah. well and also that makes it even more believable that he could destroy that he could like lay waste to the whole world because yeah, yeah, he yeah. would just sweep through and basically yeah, yeah, yeah. just destroy everything yeah. so that makes sense um but you know it was just not as cool as, no. as that as the actual original yeah. design yeah um and uh, I think, I mean, the Gord is, like, one of those, like, iconic movie robots that, like, even people oh, yeah. who have never heard of this oh, movie. Oh, they know exactly. If you showed them, they would recognize, Gord, yeah. like, they might not know it's Gord or, or what exactly it's from or what it is. But they would recognize, like, oh, that's that robot, you know, yeah. from the old movie yeah. or whatever. Right? Poor, poor Klaatu. Like, nobody recognizes no. Klaatu. No. Everybody remembers Gord. No, but that's kind of the idea. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. sort of the point. Well, like, he's, I mean, he's supposed Klaatu to be able, like he just, he's supposed he to, be able like to blend in yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah. But yeah, um, Gord was awesome. And and I mean, just little things like like in terms of the, the level of um, of uh, care that they took in making this film compared to what you would sort of expect of the time. 
Um, well, so much of that stuff was just real yeah, slapdash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and in, in terms of like the care that they took, I mean, for example, they had two versions of the suit. Like it's basically like a tall dude, like pretty much like just the tallest dude they could find that they used for Gore, because obviously this is you know before CG and all that kind of stuff, long before. Um, so they pretty much had no choice. This is, this is a dude in a suit. Um, so um, what they did is there's two versions of the suit. Where one is has the seam in the front and the other has the seam in the back, so, so that whichever side they shot him from, oh, it, he so could good. always be perfectly that's seamless. So, good. so you would never have that typical cliche fifties <laughs> like like, like oh the, 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 the suit with the zipper running up the back that you would see in movies yeah, back yeah, yeah. then uh, that people always kind of laugh at, you know. And it's like they actually thought about it and they were like. Yeah. You know, and they they made the two versions so that no matter what angle, he would look perfect. Yeah. Um. So the uh. Yeah, I mean, production code. You know, yeah. still they they he had to have like little sort of trunks. Trunks. Uh, right. Apparently, even a, a featureless silver robot can't yeah. can't yeah. go naked. Uh, under the code, which yeah. is pretty funny, but uh, you know that's that's <laughs> as it is. Yeah. It's kind of cool because it kind of makes him look like a superhero. Yeah, yeah. He's got like, he's got little, like, little, little like almost like Hulk pants. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. But um, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, it is one of those things like if this movie had been made 10 years earlier or 10 years later, like like 10 years earlier, visually, it probably would have been horrible yeah. because of the early 30s. And also, it, it really... Early 40s. It really would have probably come across like schlocky pulp. Yeah. And then like 10 years later in the early 60s, yeah. like bad time for that stuff because yeah. nobody cared yeah you know like this movie came on the perfect, perfect I think, well it did but at the same time like i say i feel like it's still applicable oh, that's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, the the no i meant visual for, for the visual oh stuff, yeah the yeah stuff. yeah for sure for sure all right yeah um yeah no dude, so that's my five yeah. yeah uh what do you got any you said you had some also rands oh i want to do that at the end though oh you're gonna do this at the end for yeah the... I oh, do them at the end. okay oh i thought you were gonna do my no i'll do them at the end even though I mean they, they they apply to the the individual things, but I want to do them at the end. Uh, okay. So do your five. Uh, my five is the other end of yours. Uh, it's my latest in the fifties. It's from nineteen fifty nine. Okay. Also black and white. Wow. Yeah. Black shows. and white in fifty nine. Yeah. Uh, starring Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. Some like it hot. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, this is where because like you know all the comedies and stuff, yeah, and yeah. I don't really know. Like I mean, I've heard of them, but mm-hmm. I'm not a big comedy guy. So. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Uh, Billy Wilder film. Yeah. Billy Wilder did so much stuff. I mean, 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge fan. I'm a huge fan of, like, they're, they're like, there's, like, I'm, like, he defines so much of, like, the stuff that I like from that era. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's like I say, that's like where our interests kind of yeah, yeah. diverge. Um, All, even though, I mean, obviously it's a good film, but. Yeah. Uh, this was, um, yeah, I, I, I like, I like Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, Marilyn Monroe, I'm so so on. Like I've seen, I like some of the films she's in. I like. I'm not a big fan of other ones. It, often it's it, she, she does a fine job. It's it's often the film far yeah. more than her. Okay. Um, it's one of the last films she does. She only she died two years after filming this, so mm-hmm. she she didn't do too much after this. Um, yeah, a couple, but yeah, yeah. She was she was um, in her early 30s, and, and she only lived to be 36. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, real, real young Jack Lennon, um, compared to how, like, a lot of people know him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, for those who don't know what Some Like It Hot is about, um, it's about a pair of, uh, out-of-work musicians, uh, during the Prohibition era, 
uh, who they got like they were getting part time work at like uh, speakeasies, and uh, the only gig they were able to find was with a all uh, women's um, uh, band that played like jazz at like uh, hotel resorts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so they they have to dress up as as women, right? And so of course you know antics, H- yeah, hilarious, uh, hilarious antics. And this is one of those films that really does like a lot of the the good job of like we're going to skirt the code mm-hmm. but like nudge nudge wink well, wink 59, we all know. by 59 yeah. it was like it was starting to get into a point where it was like it was pretty, get away with a it lot was pretty more. easy to yeah. get around a lot of the stuff um, yeah. yeah um and the big reason is they they that they have to uh that they, they they dress up as women and have to get is they witness a uh, a mob uh, mob killing uh, like one mobster killing a bunch of other yeah. mobsters. So the mobster, like this mobster, is after them, and so they disguise themselves as women, hop on this train with this all women's band, and of course, like Tony Curtis, <laughs> pretty much like yeah, okay, he, he, he makes an okay looking looking <laughs> looking lady. Jack Lemon does not. <laughs> Jack Lemon, when he smiles with the lipstick on, he looks like the Joker. Like, <laughs> it's, with like a wig on. It's it's really. It reminds me of that scene. Hey, from don't the, don't judge. No, it's, it's it's just it's so obviously like this is Jack you know, Jack Lemon, um, um, and they make friends with um, with uh, Marilyn Monroe's character, mm-hmm. uh, whose name is Sugar. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the, there was actually a joke about, like, her name. She calls herself, like, Sugar Something. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's just a ridiculous name. And she goes, oh, no, no, my real name is... And it's, like, Sugar Something Else. Like, no, her first name is actually Sugar. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a just good joke. completely... Yeah, ridiculous. It's a good joke. And, of course, so they go to this resort. And then, you know, they both kind of sort of fall for her a bit. Tony Curtis much more. And uh, there's a lot of, like, you know, changing in and out of mm-hmm. clothes. Just... A real like, like comedic, yeah. like silliness to the point where like it is, it's all like not not quite slapstick, but like that unrealistic level of silliness where like yeah, you know they run. Well, it's farcical. They run, farcical. You know they're they're dressed as the women. They run upstairs, then they come down the, and then they come down the elevator. Like seconds later, the elevator doors open and they're they're dressed in, in the normal clothes. You know, like wait, 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 but it's all done for for sake of hilarity. You know, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's no, it's it's the the interaction between because they do that very uh, that very much like divert uh, opposites mm-hmm. of of, of uh, their their attitudes right uh, between Jack Lennon and Tony Curtis yep. uh, and uh, and it's it's yeah it's, it's a real funny movie uh, uh, quite quite lighthearted um, the, the, there's a few it's it's one of those like it's a film full of characters where everybody in it is like this kind of like like outrageous like outrageous personality mm-hmm. uh, all the all the side characters that they run into um this this one rich guy who is determined to marry Jack Lemon's character and like even at the end when he finds out Jack Lemon is a guy he's like Nobody's perfect. Like he's I, just I, fine. Like it's I, just... I feel like maybe uh, the uh, thing in um, the imposters with yeah. Oliver Platt's character yes. when he dresses up as a lady, inspired and, by that. And then event. there's the whole thing with the yeah the yeah. Uh, uh, Billy Connolly, Billy Connolly, like going after, and then he re- he's like, "I'm a man." He's like, "Even better." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, I feel no, like that's... I'm a man. So am I. Oh, so am I. That's what it is. Yeah, so am I. 
Yeah, I feel like that's almost kind of inspired mm-hmm. by that. By mm-hmm. that, maybe. Yeah. C- yeah. Given that it was, you know, kind of an homage to those types of movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I never didn't think of that, but now that totally. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah, my number five is yeah, some like it hot. Nice. Well, some do. Um, all right. So my four is uh, let's see what here. How can I choose you here? Um, so it's the second of the two that are black and white. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, from Japan. Oh, all right. So we have a foreign film on our list. Okay, okay. It's from 1954. Okay. I know what you might be thinking it might be, but that's not what it is. Oh. That's the runner-up. Oh, okay. It's from 1954, Seven Samurai. Ah, okay. Um, so. I would have guessed it would have been higher on your list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's why I wasn't thinking that was going to be sad. Or fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, well, it was tough choice, but you know, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of movies from that era yeah, that I like. Yeah, yeah. So, so Seven Samurai um, was, of course, the first. Um, unbelievable as it may seem, it was the first samurai film made by Akira Kurosawa, the mm-hmm. legendary Japanese director. Um, and uh, it's like three and a half hours. It's a true epic. Um, and it pretty much has everything that you could want in a movie. It has comedy, drama, action, story, you know, everything. It's just like one of those epics that just has everything. Um, it has so many hugely influential, like, tropes and, and things that were, like, first kind of introduced or first used in a very... It combined all the elements, um... And and it was just like so influential in other things. Obviously, um, you know, it was influential in a lot of like westerns. Um, mm-hmm. The Magnificent Seven is a direct westernized remake of it. Um, but just if you break down the elements, like it has influenced so many other things. The whole sort of like you know gathering the, a team together to go on a on a mission and and like you know. Uh, just, I mean, if there's just see the film, you know, read read up on it a little bit. There are so many examples of things that were a big influence on later stuff, uh, both in terms of like Western movies and uh, Eastern movies and everything. Um, it it's also a whole, what I was say, uh, no, that's not quite. I was going to say a Hallmark film. <laughs> it's not <laughs> It's a uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, it's like a milestone. Milestone. It's like, it's like that's it what really it is. marks yeah, 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 like. Yeah, yeah. Something where where it's all you know, it, oh, yeah, it's it, it either like film. started so many like um, landmark, landmark, yeah, very film. landmark, was, very landmark. Yeah. It, it either started a lot of tropes or was the first to sort of combine certain things in such a way that is has become more commonplace mm-hmm. in these kind of like heroic uh, epics. Um, it was also uh, Kurosawa's, I believe, it was his first time um, that he worked or made a film. Uh, with uh, Toshiro Mifune, who's like the actor who kind of became famously associated, and they made a lot of movies together. Um, and they more sort of famously did in the '60s. They did like the um, the Yojimbo, like Yojimbo and Sanjuro, yeah. yeah. which are um, also very kind of Western esque, and it had a lot of influence. Uh, um, uh, Fistful of Dollars was basically yeah. a remake of uh, Yojimbo, and um, what's interesting about that is that those films are a lot more like they still have like humor and stuff like that but like um, Mifune's character in those films is very like stoic 
and very like like he has very dry humor but he's not like overtly humorous like he's he's funny in a very dry kind of sarcastic way um but it's very understated he's very stoic um and it, that that character basically influenced um like they often in retrospect he's often referred to as the ronin with no name mm-hmm. because it's influ- because it was such an influence on the Clint Eastwood character in the in the spaghetti westerns in in, in the, the, the no dollar trilogy yeah. where it was the man with no name and then they're like oh we'll call this the ronin with no name because that's pretty much what predated that um in this film in seven samurai mifune's character is actually like the crazy character in the movie like he's the one where he because um he's actually uh he, he joins up with the with the samurai and it actually turns out later on that he's actually not really a samurai he pretends that he's a samurai but he's not he's actually like a peasant um but he has like as good fighting skills as they have pretty much and 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 he's like the crazy like wacky over the top character who's just like unpredictable and he's like the wild man you know mm-hmm. he gets into battle and he's just like crazy but he's also just like very over the top and like like yelling and like being silly and stuff um he's kind of like um uh if people know like he's like the irish guy in rob roy you know oh, yeah, that, yeah. it's that trope like that's kind of what it's that sort of thing is based off of is like is that's that's he's what the wild man. That's yeah. what he's like in this. You know, he's like the one that's like, oh, you know, we need him because he's amazing. But man, he's a nutcase. You know, um, it's the Murdoch. So he's yeah. <laughs> so he's like really funny in this, um, in a really kind of crazy over the top way, which is like such a contrast to like the roles that he's most known for, especially in the later Kurosawa stuff, like the you know, um, like Jumbo and all that, where he's so like stoic. Um, so that's sort of interesting. Um, but pretty much, yeah, like, the, that's the main thing. It's just, it, it has everything that you could want in a movie. Like, it just has, it's three and a half hours, and it just has story, action, drama, uh, you know, maybe some romance. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> if it did, it was a small aspect of it. But, you know, uh, and, you know, action, obviously, great action um, for the time, especially, uh, you know, all the sword fights and stuff like yeah. that for, for that, for the you know for the era it was amazing um and uh yeah it's just one of those kind of like complete films that just has everything that you could want um but you know it's subtitle you got to be into subtitles obviously it's foreign film so um but uh that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a problem yeah this is a it's a blind spot it's i've seen all like the variations mm-hmm. of not all but yeah. so many variations of Seven Samurai I've never actually seen Seven Samurai you should I know I know it's it's, it's actually it's honestly because I've seen Magnificent Seven I've seen yeah. I've seen which animated is, which versions is cool of I mean that, that's there's so nothing many, wrong with but that just but the original film is just never it's just seen. awesome like yeah. I realize it's very long and everything but yeah. it, but it has you know you just you make a night of it yeah, and it just yeah. it has everything that you could want in a movie it's yeah. just it's funny it's exciting and well, it's action I've seen them has, Lord of the Rings movies a long movie is not a big deal Oh yeah, it's it's just it's it has everything. Yeah, um, and that's part of what makes it so great. Yeah. You know, and everything's just done so well. Like, um, like the village that they that they come together to like defend and stuff like that. Like Kurosawa uh, uh, insisted on actually like building like a full like village set like at great expense and stuff. And apparently, um, uh, the the production took so long. Um, that they just went like over budget over and over and over because it was just such a, like an epic production and it just kept going so long. 
And so the company, uh, the studio, uh, kept shutting them down. Yeah. And uh, because it just kept going over budget, so it kept shutting them down. And then Kurosawa would just—he would just go fishing, and he would just wait for them to call him back because he knew that they would realize that it was more worthwhile to get it done than to just shut it down and lose all the money that they spent up to that point. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he would just be like, eh, "Whatever," yeah. and he'd go fishing, and then yep, they would—he'd come back, and they'd, they'd start up again, and then they'd yeah. shoot some more, and then go over budget again, and then. And, and I mean, uh, and, and I mean, apocalypse that, now. that makes it sound very like like he was irresponsible, and I don't mean to imply that. Yeah. But well, he, he had a vision. He was just he was undertaking something that was just so much bigger than anything and that had been done. It's to that an interesting point. thing, in the re- it's, especially it's, in Japan. It's, yeah. And you know. because this was done in Japan, was probably the reason why this worked. Yeah, because if this had been done in an American studio, him going over budget over and over again, they just would have gotten rid of him and replaced him. Probably. Like, oh yeah. You know. Oh, like that used uh, to happen all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, in, in, like, the Ameri- like in the American, they just bring like, somebody in to the Hollywood finish studio. Up this project, oh yeah, in the Hollywood you know? studio yeah. system. I mean, yeah. that happened all the time. Yeah. Like they did that on Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. they did that on, uh, um, you know. Casablanca, like there's so many movies where they're just like, oh, you know, we'll just bring someone in that will get it done, you know. So, um, yeah, um, that's yeah. Number four is uh, Seven Samurai, nineteen fifty-four. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great film. Yeah, I have not seen, but I know it's a great film. It is. But... <laughs> it is. I I would definitely recommend it. Uh, okay, um, my number four is from nineteen fifty-three. Uh, most of mine are from earlier fifties. The the Some Like It Hot is my only. Late I 50s. have. Uh, on my list, yeah, every one on my list is from a different year. Oh, nice! Yeah, and they're pretty spread out. So. Okay. okay, yeah. Um, it was uh, directed by Otto Preminger, who is famous for Anatomy of a Murder. Okay, which is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the name. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what this would be. 53. Uh, it's got William Holden, Maggie McNara, and David Niven. Uh, unlike, this all sounds really familiar. Unlike the rest of my movies, mm-hmm. which are all very highly rated, like almost every movie on my list, well, no, every movie but this one on my list is like 96, 98, okay. 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. This one's like 30%. Oh, okay. Maybe but, it's not something I... But I, know. it's, most people, I don't think most people know about this movie. It's called The Moon is Blue. Okay, no, I definitely have never heard of it. Uh, I didn't not, I only saw it recently, like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. not even maybe years ago okay um i really love this film yeah um well that's fine this, that's the whole point right it's uh that's what i was saying earlier it's like, a super like limited um scene mm-hmm. um uh, like uh into like a sp- like in terms of the filming space it basically takes place in two apartments mm-hmm. one one above in the story they're one above the other yeah i'm sure in the set they weren't but Man, uh, you, you really seem to like that kind of stuff like because on our, our on our other list you had the thing about the like the man who came to dinner or whatever oh yeah and it all took place in, the, in basically yeah. in the living room yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very um, interesting I just, seems... a lot of old, that's another movie from around this time oh, a lot of um, uh movies from that era uh, like 40s and 50s and stuff that were uh, like low budget, but they had like a great script. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's just how it was. Yeah, like, no, that's cool. Know. It's just it's it's not something I'm that familiar with. And um, you always seem to have one. In, in... Um, <laughs> the the movie is uh it's about um uh, Maggie McNarma's character is uh, she's a struggling actress who runs into uh, William Holden, um, and uh, they have a they talk and and then uh, he ends up inviting her over for dinner. 
uh, to his place. Ooh, scandalous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, and, but she, he already has a girlfriend, but she doesn't Even know more that. scandalous. Yeah, it, it is, is actually. It, is this color or black uh, and white? I'm pretty sure it's black and white. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I know it's, it's black and white now. Um, and they actually, like, it, it's like, he's, he's got, like, he's, I think he's like, He's unhappy with this relationship, okay. but like he doesn't know how to end it. Right, and a, his girlfriend is like rich, and his girlfriend's father is played by David Niven, who okay. like plays like this, like super charming, like just like old old guy. Oh, David Niven's awesome. Yeah, he's great. He's got the he's got the little pencil mustache oh, in this. He's, he's it's, amazing. It's, and he he's the one who lives he lives in the apartment upstairs. Okay, and so. Um, William Holden's character, he's got a number of things he's doing, and so he's in and out of the scenes, you know, and uh, Maggie's character ends up upstairs talking with David Niven's character, and so she sort of ends up slowly finding out about the whole situation, about, like, what's going on, and uh, his daughter's kind so of... So what bit, kind of, like... It's it's a romantic comedy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a romantic comedy. Um, it's a... Um, At the time, uh, it it was really put. It pushed a lot of. Um, it, this is another. This is de- this is definitely a movie where it is like a lot of like, like like uh, dancing around the code, talking about mm-hmm. you know uh, sex stuff. Uh, I'm just gonna keep saying it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 things like that, and. Um, uh, just sort of like uh, people figuring out like relationship stuff and yeah, whether yeah. Uh, you know like he's not you know he has another girlfriend but he's not married to her and he doesn't want to marry her and how like how she feels about that and um, his his actual girlfriend like David Niven's daughter is she's kind of like she's kind of like super spoiled and uh, but like she doesn't she wants to be with um, William Holden's character but she kind of doesn't like respect him. Okay. And and so there's it, it, it's kind of an interesting interaction with characters, hmm. but it is like so why do you why do you think that it's it's I, not highly rated? Given um, that you I, really just I, I just just I was actually well sort of looking up the dates and stuff for this. Um, I always, I always end up having to do that. Like when did that movie come out? Um, uh, it, it, it appears like a lot of the, the critic like the critic reviews of it were just um, just that it was kind of like the movie was kind of just like like just kind of flat. Hmm. Um, but I found it like it's like ninety minutes of like nonstop, clever, fun dialogue. Hmm. Like you like all the characters for different reasons. Um, the the interactions are interesting. Uh, they worked really well with the space they got, and you just like all the characters. Um, I'm I'm a uh, I mean I like David Niven as a, as an actor. Yeah. Um, but I also like William Holden uh, as an actor too. Um, and uh. I don't know. I just like I said. I've only seen this movie recently, but it, I really, really, really liked it. Um, yeah, that's cool. And that's it is—it's is, sort of like that. Like I, I, it was an uh, like it was out of the blue that I just found this movie was like saw watched like like the trailer quote unquote. I'm making air quotes here because a lot of times trailers for this stuff that you find online are not actually like what the trailer should be. It's some kind of like just cut scenes from it. And it's just like I was like that looks funny. That looks interesting. And we watched it, and I was like, that's great. This is really great, um, hmm. and I've, I don't know. I've just I'm sort of reminded like a lot of 
I'm reminded by a lot of things in this movie. Cool. Uh, by like other movies like from that era and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's sort of yeah, like the critical reception on it was like like a uh, clever work. You know, on like working around the code to get like the kind of the message they were uh, getting across yeah. in this movie, but like you know, kind of fell flat and all that. Which like for this director, this director has like a ton of accoladed movies, and then mm-hmm. just this kind of one. Yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> you know? That happens, um, and sometimes it's just like you know, eh, yeah. it happens. There's there's no uh, yeah making sense of it sometimes. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it's a uh, it's it's not a long movie. I think it's like like eighty eight minutes or something like that, and it's just bit, 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 yeah, bit, it's bit not three and a half hours. No, no. <laughs> well, I, actually, going back to like some like it hot, like no, only some like it hot. It like like yeah. funny antic comedy. Movie's two hours long. Yeah. That's crazy for that thing. <laughs> only only in India do you get the three oh the three hour three hour romantic, romantic comedies. comedies. Well, no, you get. A 90-minute romantic comedy with an extra 90 minutes of music thrown in. It's all good, man. And 90 minutes of dance it's all, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, I, I mean, if you like romantic comedies and you're looking for something kind of different, uh, like, like in terms of, like, maybe if you, like, mostly watch, like, kind of, like, 90s and, like, more modern-day stuff, mm. I really recommend The the, the Moon is Blue. Cool. Yeah. But Never yeah. heard of it. No, yeah, no, uh, not a lot of people have. I don't think. I don't think it's very highly, <laughs> highly well known. And this is like why I, said, I fluked on it. This is why your list. That, that's my. That's my. That's my like. My, yeah, uh, my hipster pick. Yeah, <laughs> this is why like your lists are always just like like oh really oh really and my lists are just like yep yeah <laughs> that was obvious. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because uh, you know I, I know you well. I don't find your lists obvious more because I think. Well, I know what he likes, so there could be, like, it's it's obvious that that is a good movie, but the fact that you put it on the list versus mm-hmm. any other of the really good like, movies you like right. is what surprises me. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like uh, all I can really do is be honest yeah. about what I like and then uh-huh. and try to sort of explain it in my yeah. own words, you know? Like, uh-huh. as long as I'm not just, like, parroting back, like, a paragraph from, you know... Yeah. Some other from like Wikipedia or something like uh, saying why it's a good movie. Like like I'm putting it in my own words of like how why I actually think it's good. You know that's the important thing. But I I feel like the picks themselves are not really that original or interesting. So my number three. Um, gee, I don't really have any real sort of special teasy. No, no, nothing teasy for this one. Just just hit us. Not really. It's uh, from 1956. Okay. uh, Forbidden Planet. Ah, so um, a little bit more sci-fi there. Did, didn't, but, didn't know you liked this film that much. Oh, it's freaking amazing! It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, of all really? Time. Oh, wow! Yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, again, we're back into sci-fi, but it's like a real different kind of sci-fi than than the Arsenal was. Um, like with Seven Samurai, it's like a lot of like really hugely influential tropes and like, oh, yeah. elements. Um, Star this, Trek. This, this one I have seen. <laughs> Star Trek definitely mm-hmm. owes a lot to this one. I um, think. I think like all sci-fi TV from like like the time this movie came out to like probably the '90s owes to, the, to, to this. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's got it's you know all your classic things of like the crew, the intrepid crew mm-hmm. of the of the spaceship that. Travels to a planet, a mysterious planet, and they have you know cool ray guns and you know 
it's just it's all that stuff. Um, but what's really cool about it is um, it has all these really influential kind of tropes and stuff, but it also has really like advanced for the time, especially like technical achievement in terms of effects and things like that. Like it's just very visually appealing and and just looks great. Um, and uh, they have stuff like it's actually like well thought out. Like there's things like, um, you know, your typical fifties kind of B sci-fi movie would ignore things like, you know, actually actual, like plausible scientific explanations and things like that. And it's like, you know, in most sort of sci-fi movies back in the day, like they have, you know, they, you just, blast off in a rocket and you yeah. go really fast and you go to other planets oh. in this they actually have them have like you know like a like a hyperspace drive and you know they transition out of like you know hyperdrive into like regular space and stuff they have they actually mention you know they instead of just having them randomly walking around on the ship they actually mention the fact that they have artificial gravity technology they actually go as far as to mention like when they're entering the planet's atmosphere they mention the fact that they're switching off the artificial gravity of the ship to switch to the natural gravity of the planet because they're going into the atmosphere. Um, so obviously you don't want the gravity stacking on each other, basically. So it steers away from the pulp sci-fi that was so popular yeah. into the more hard sci-fi that became the Yeah, like but, but I mean, and... that's crazy to think yeah. in 56, yeah. right? Um, and, you know... Um, somebody, whoever, somebody was paying attention when they wrote this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's really good. Like they even have stuff like um, they have when they go to when they accelerate and decelerate like from like like you know hyper hyperdrive like speeds and stuff like that they actually have these like sort of energy kind of like pods that they kind of stand in to like hold them to like protect them from like the forces oh, yeah. the acceleration forces so, like, deceleration the suspension forces pods that, that, yeah yeah modern yeah, like, yeah like like yeah. what in, like in star trek they had like mm-hmm. you know the the inertial dampeners the and stuff like that yeah, right yeah, yeah. like they actually sort of thought this stuff through and they knew that like scientifically that all these things is what would happen and and um you know rather than just sort of ignoring it like they were actually made it like plausible um you know uh obviously there's like the famous I mean, there's Robbie the Robot, which is, again, yeah. one of, like, Gort, one of the most famous robots in movies, um, mm. definitely. I, I think, like, Robbie the Robot is, like, the icon for yeah. this film. Like, Yeah, and I know. mean, everyone knows, like, that People know Robbie the design. Robot more, probably, than just than knowing where he's from. Yeah, even, for know? sure. Um, and, well, and he got reused in a lot of stuff, too. Like, mm-hmm. he would always be, like, used on TV and stuff like that. Um, they put a lot of money into building, like, the prop. Yeah. And uh, so you know they they got a lot of use out of it in various other ancillary things. This had a remake. Did it not? No, they talked about it actually. Uh, What's actually, the one that got the remake? Um, J. Michael Straczynski at actually oh, okay. at one point was working on a script for a potential. Oh, okay. uh, it, it actually, I think what they were going to do is they weren't going to do a remake. They were actually going to do like like a sort of a taking place in the same universe, sort of oh. reimagining like years later type of thing. Which I always thought would have been awesome if they'd done that. I'm thinking of the other one, the family in the spaceship. Oh, uh, Lost in Space. Yeah, Lost in Space. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the uh, other one with the that crew. That's a TV show. That's a TV show from the '60s. From the '60s. That's right. Yeah, influenced. By yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah, Furman Plan is way better. But yeah. 
Um, <laughs> well, at first, yeah, some schlocky 60s TV yeah. sci-fi show. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, and it had just, like, some really cool ideas, like the idea of, you know, this, like, ancient, super-advanced alien race that had built, like, you know, all this, like, technology on this planet that, that um, you know, this scientist, um, this human scientist that had been uh, um, crash-landed on the planet, right? There's Dr. Morbius. And um, they... Um, Basically, uh, his his expedition or like his ship that he was with, they crashed on this like unknown planet, um, and over the time, all the rest of the the crew have died, um, and all that's left is more Doctor Morbius and his daughter Altera, yeah. who had knows no other life. Like literally, she has lived her entire life on this alien planet by herself with just her father and Robbie the robot, and. Uh, so she has that kind of like she's sort of naive but kind of uh very uninhibited in mm. a way as well compared to what you know your typical well, her social your her typical social, kind of 50s she has some social norms so yeah, yeah yeah and so you know all these so when this ship shows up with a, like a crew of you know intrepid uh adventuring you know guys like you know she's kind of interested but doesn't really know what to make of them exactly, and they're definitely interested in her because yeah. Anne Francis is uh, incredibly uh, beautiful in this, and uh, uh, I think said to be like the first like mini skirt in a movie because um, like her dress is like yeah yeah there's not much there. Um, I like shorts <laughs> and uh, yeah and but I mean it's just so good and. Uh, yeah, it's just it, it visually like there's the whole. I mean, one of the other sort of famous things is like the the, the monster from the id. Yeah, it's kind of like the big thing, mm-hmm. and it's like invisible for most of it. And then you just see like the the big climactic thing is where it's because they set up like a perimeter perimeter of this like force field. So when the monster makes contact with the field, you can see it. It's yeah. like highlighted, and and it's the design on it is amazing. It's just like one of the coolest monsters ever in a movie. Yeah, the sounds it makes are amazing. They actually borrowed a uh, animator uh, from Disney, oh, wow. or an animation you know crew from Disney to to do the animation for the monster because uh, they wanted to have it be like top top shelf stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just an awesome movie. It's it's so good. I love it. Yeah, um, no, that's good. That's a good. Uh... Again, that's a very uh, landmark. Oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention is also um, along with those like technical achievements that it had, um, the uh, music was pretty much like the first uh, fully electronic musical score for a film, pretty oh. much, and it was done by like these sort of pioneers of of, of electronic music, which was um, a married couple. Uh, named uh, BB and Louis Baron, and uh, they this was before there was like synthesizers or anything. So literally, they had to build electronic equipment that would produce a tone, mm-hmm. and then they built equipment that could apply different effects to it, so they could get different sounds, and then record everything to to, to tape and speed up and slow down to get different like uh, you know. Tone, like different pitches and 
they had to cut everything by hand, you know, just splice it all together and just make each little sound individually and then splice it all together oh, and stuff. And it was a tremendous amount of work, right? There was no, there was no like actual synthesizer or anything. No, no. There. So course, they had to yeah. build all their own stuff and they had to record everything by hand and then splice it all by hand. And, uh, they, because at the time it was such a new thing, uh, they had no like respect from like the establishment thing. Like the people, oh, of course, not, the people yeah. behind the film obviously hired them to do it and yeah, wanted yeah, them yeah. to do what they were doing, and they deliberately hired them to do it because they were like that's what they wanted. But the actual like establishment of the film industry and the studios and stuff no, like that they, they were had have, yeah. no respect for them. They weren't even allowed to be credited um, as doing music. They could only be credited as they're credited for electronic tonalities. Was what they came up you know with what? as their credit because somehow that's better. <laughs> like in retrospect, it's, it's cool, but it, it just it meant that basically they couldn't be considered for any sort of like, you know, oh, uh, any kind of credit basically like for score for any or sort of like that, like creative, for an Oscars yeah, for anything. Like oh, and 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 they their career rough. their careers were actually um, they had a very difficult time because they were always being persecuted for like because at the time. And for many years after that, uh, like probably till at least, you know, at least the 70s at, mm. at the earliest and probably even later than that, um, it was considered that like, you know, make, using electronic music was like cheating. putting re- – Cheating. Yeah. And also like putting actual musicians out of work because yeah, yeah. you didn't need to hire like an orchestra or anything, you know. And so um, the, the sort of the, – the whole It had a stigma to the it. The whole kind sure. of establishment was so against it and they were very persecuted for it. And, rather than being honored for for their groundbreaking contribution stuff you know and then you go and you look at like in the 80s where like almost every yeah. film score is was was all synth and stuff yeah. and it was like one guy usually doing it i mean heck uh, you know john carpenter did most of his music scores himself you know cuz he's also a musician and he's like synths and stuff and pretty much did his own music so but you know, there's also like Brad Fidel who did like the Terminator. Terminator, right? yeah, like, yeah. That was another guy. You know, there was a lot of those guys. Uh, um, uh, Harold Faltermeyer did Axel F from. Uh, well, right. did the music for for yeah. uh, Beverly Hills Cop. You know, like, it was very common by the yeah, '80s. Trivia recently, yeah, where the trivia question was, "Who wrote Axel F?" Yeah, and a room of about must have been forty people. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. I was like. I could not remember his name because yeah. all I think of is like, I know the movie, I know the name of the song, I know how the song goes. Oh, but yeah, yeah. like in the eighties, by certainly by the eighties, like yeah, it was commonplace, sure. yeah. like to movie music to be just like one dude with a bunch of synths. Yeah, but you know, thirty years earlier, yeah, it was like but very the, tough the for movie, them. They were the they were like treated they were like, treated like, like dirt. Yeah, like you said, like the establishment you know? is is. I mean, it's a very like slow to adopt or be open to new things. Yeah. It was the same way when like CG first became a thing, or, like started to become a thing. It was like again, you're you're putting set construction makers out of work. You're putting special effect guys out of work. You're you know like the the like not not accepting of new techniques and new like style is like par for the unfortunately par for it seems. Yeah. At the time, but especially I, I, back then, back then, because they it was just didn't par for the course. You know? you know, they just didn't understand. Yeah, and nowadays it's it's nice to see that like new stuff is heralded. as... You can do things any way you want. Yeah, like, and and 
and like and if, and, and, if someone and, and have someone might have a problem with it but pff, that's their and, issue. but like like real true good creativity is is awarded and lauded and people are like yes this is great unfortunately that you that tends to cause like horrible trends of like bad imitation yeah. but uh, you know <laughs> Take the i'd good rather have bad. one good thing followed by a bunch of bad things than never have the good thing you yeah know? all right um, so that's, but no yeah that's no my, that's great yeah that's my three planet is, 56 is, forbidden planet yeah it's amazing oh, that's good that's good a lot of people probably have heard of it but haven't actually seen it and or haven't seen it 56 56 okay so like right mid 50s also when i first got into it um it blew me away to see uh leslie nielsen not only oh. not only quite young, but as like a straight heroic yeah. like leading man role. As not a, a comedian. As opposed to the sort of like the, the later like the naked gun kind of stuff. Yeah. Where like not only is he older, but he's being so ridiculous and silly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh that was like a big uh revelation for me because obviously I grew up in the era where he was known for like the naked gun stuff and things like that. Um to so to actually see like that there was a time when he was like not only was he young, but he was doing like straight leading roles. Um, that was really cool. Nice. Uh, yeah. Good. So, all right. Um, so my number three mm-hmm. is from 1952. It's Uh-oh. it's my earliest one. Uh-oh. Uh oh. It's in color. Uh it. Uh, it is something. That, it is a style of film that I really like. From this era, and and I kind of only exclusively like it from this era, and that is of the the musical comedy, and this is uh, singing in the rain, uh, with Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor, uh, directed by Gene. Kelly. This is your three, right? This is my three. The next one is my two. Yeah. My two is singing, singing in the rain. The rain. So we'll, awesome. just, we'll do let's, a combo let's do this here. Together. Yeah. We'll do awesome. a combo here because it would have been coming right up uh, okay. for me anyway. I see. Interesting. I. This super surprise, not the one that I thought was not where I thought the crossover was going to be on the list. <laughs> That's uh, I did not know you uh, like this movie. I freaking love. This yeah, movie. this movie is so good. Again, one of my all time. So it's so funny. Okay, yes. so that was in 1953. You were immediately like, oh, okay, 52. One, or 52. As soon as you said 52, yeah. I was like, uh oh. Yeah, 52. Right. You said 52, and I was like, uh oh. Yeah, and then yeah, you were yeah. like. You're like musical, musical comedy. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah singing in the rain. Yeah, so uh, so much. Yeah, it's, it's such amazing. A fun movie. It's amazing. Yeah. So I mean, singing in the rain is basically. Um, it started out like the the background behind it is very like unassuming. Like you would never think that it would be this amazing film because it was essentially um, Arthur Freed was an MGM producer who was in charge of basically his own unit like it was referred to as the freed unit and he <laughs> do whatever he wanted he made well he made all these uh like musical yeah. films in like the 30s and stuff like that mm-hmm. and uh he did a lot of like the songwriting like he wrote usually all the lyrics for all the songs and he basically wanted to make something that was kind of like a tribute to that era that would basically use all these songs that they already had lying around. So all of the songs in Singing in the Rain like are pre-done. pre-existing songs, usually huh, from the 30s, uh, just re- repurposed in a, in a new way. Um, it's kind of like how like White Christmas isn't actually originally yeah. from the movie White no, Christmas. Exactly. It's actually from an earlier, earlier film. Yeah. Singing in the Rain is actually and, a song from like, an earlier film. It like works because like this movie is it's uh, it's not set when it's... It's not set in the fifties. No, it's set in the early thirties. Thirties, yeah, like right when this movie. It's basically the... about the transition from silent films to, to, to talkies, talkies, 
and and about how uh for some stars like that essentially they had no vo- they essentially had- ended their careers because they had didn't have yeah. a voice that worked yeah uh with the talkies and yeah and they're like um, so they're i, I mean I, it's been a little while since too. it's like aren't they like literally like in the middle or just like starting production on a film yeah when suddenly it's like we have to make this a talkie yeah and it turns out like both their leads that's what often have horrible voices like the lead the female yeah <laughs> she's in the like she's got that, that yeah yeah <laughs> charmed i'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh like that's like well, it's a take movie, it's yeah. a take off on the the born yesterday born yesterday you know, yeah, that yeah, film yeah, yeah. judy holiday judy holiday yeah yeah it's and, it's, it's and based so off they of that. they get some actors in to dub basically yeah and that's where like an uh, unknown yeah 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 and just debbie reynolds character debbie reynolds dubs for her and, and gene kelly dubs for for uh the the male lead and well, Gene Kelly's character is a star. Like, oh, right. That's, he he's is already the, a star. He is the actual. Right. He's already a star. He is the actual male lead. Yeah. yeah he's like a big right. star. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, they just, you know, the rest of the movie yeah. uh, uh, plays out um, with a lot of very uh, entertaining musical, like, yeah. bits. Yeah. Um, the. It's just. I mean, the, the, the singing in the rain, the song, mm-hmm. uh, hymn. Like yeah. hanging off the the light post with the umbra- like the yeah. uh, up like the just umbrella dancing down the street just, like, in the rain like, it's, again it's iconic. iconic it's very iconic yeah but oh. there's so many great like uh, good morning yep is where like they've been up all night like you know talking about what, what they're gonna yeah. do and yeah. stuff and then it's all of this the big number that they do in the morning mm-hmm. um and uh, make them laugh yeah uh, Donald the, O'Connor's yeah. Uh, little sort of the, the solo bit, thing the bit for make them laugh where they're like on the couch and they're like like two of them are wearing the raincoat and they're doing the yeah the thing like that cracks me up every time they're doing like this like back and forth well, with I think the that, arms on the raincoat that is that that might be from good morning because oh, that, i think that is, from good is kind of don connor that's right yeah. connor is kind of solo solo yeah thing. that is from but that's from good morning i'm though. not absolutely sure about that yeah, it's yeah, been a while but uh but yeah, it's it's like it's got some like very yeah. like just cracks me I mean, up every my, time my I note, see it. My notes for yeah. this were basically just I have a thing about reminding me to mention about like the background of it, how yeah, it yeah. came to be, and the whole Arthur Free thing. Yeah, and then just my only like note about what the movie itself is just I just it just says joyful. Yeah, oh, because well, it's just hundred percent. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just pure happiness yeah. to watch this yeah. movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh. Yeah, it is. There's no. It's. It's kind of interesting because, like, the actual like. Uh, I'm like also a really big um, Gene Kelly fan. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just think like he's 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 that classic total package. Can act, can dance, sing, can sing. Also good look, and, good looking. Yeah, like he's just he's that classic <laughs> like total package yeah, of yeah. like the perfect movie star. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like of the sort of yeah. Uh, of an older time where it was they were sort of expected to be a little more kind of well-rounded yeah, in terms of versatile you know yeah. less kind of specialized you know um, um I, mean, it, like, I mean he has a a list of movies he's done no, no, but a I just, mile long no, like, no, no but i just mean, no but i mean like in terms yeah. of like where you can see him doing these things yeah yeah like being but amazing. i just mean like like you know later on it, it, it sort of became like you know okay yeah you can just be good at like this one particular yeah, type yeah, yeah. of you can be an action whatever. star or you whatever. Know, yeah, you, yeah. you have to, you know, you don't necessarily have to be able to sing or, or be able to dance at all. You know, you can, you can just be an actor or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, but there was a time where it was kind of expected that you could do a little bit of everything at least, yeah. you know? 
to to a point. Um, um but yeah. you had just had people like him or Fred Astaire. That the, kinda, yeah, first that were just that like, total package of being able to do it all. I like Fred Astaire, but like Gene Kelly no, is I like, think Gene my favorite. I, uh, I think I think Fred Astaire had the singing dancing thing down really well. I don't feel he was as good as an actor as as Gene Kelly. I think he was a good actor. Um, I just feel like I just I'm just more of a fan of Gene Kelly. Yeah, no. I think they're um, both good, but uh but no, for sure. Uh it's it's interesting because this movie has like the plot is in, in some ways like like kind of, like very thin in this movie and like in terms of like there's not like highs and lows and and uh, there's not a lot of drama there's a little but not a lot, lot. but it, it is but it, it just keeps moving along you're engaged with the, the like you said like the joyfulness of this movie mm-hmm. you just you just you just have a good time the whole time you're watching this yeah. film it's it's uh, it's like a it's like an amusement park ride you're like you're just like wee. <laughs> you know yeah um that's great yeah no no yeah no that's excellent I'm, I'm okay wow of all the things we could have crossed over i had no idea really uh that's great well there there's your big surprise there's Woo! Big surprise yeah all right no that's excellent yeah I, so so yeah my number my number three your number two yeah uh singing in the rain yeah 1952 yeah uh so it'll be back to you I to get back to my number two all right um 1954 um uh, has uh one of my favorite actors of all time in it. Okay. James Stewart. Okay. Um directed by a man who really just knocked it out of the park in the fifties. Rear window by Alfred Hitchcock. Really? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um thought i was the hitchcock guy i i uh, i i i haven't seen as much hitchcock as you you're definitely the hitchcock guy um <laughs> which is weird as there has been no hitchcock on my list yet so far hmm, strange. <laughs> i wonder Very strange. Uh, um but uh and i did not see this movie until i guess about, about, about three maybe four years ago we watched it i think something along those if lines it was even that if yeah. it was even that long ago um uh I, I didn't know you enjoyed it that much. I think like, I, mean, I, knew, I always I knew mean, you liked, I really enjoyed. I knew you liked Jimmy Stewart. I like Jimmy Stewart a lot. Um, and like the fifties are like another reason I like the fifties so much. Like Jimmy Stewart was just in like great movie after great movie, great yeah, performance. He was in a lot of good movies. Well, um, he missed a lot of the forties from from yeah. being in the war. Being so. in the war, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, unfortunate there. Um, but um, uh, and of Alfred Hitchcock films. Mm-hmm. This is actually also probably my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film. It's pretty, um, pretty good. Which and and I it, this is one that definitely bobbed up and down on my list, like where to put it. And the more I thought about, it, the more I was like, I enjoyed every single aspect of Rear Window. Uh, the characters, the 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 story, the like the tension. Yeah. The, wow. It's the Hitchcock. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, uh, the cleverness. Yeah. Uh, I, Again, like you brought up earlier, this, uh, f- funnily enough, this is a bit of a, like, like limited space yeah. storytelling. Although. Because the character, I mean, sort of, but not really. Like, Well, it, it sort of is, because he's in that one room for yeah. basically the entire movie. But just he gets to watch, like, window. some almost like a neighborhood But what's stuff impressive is that, that, that apartment block 
uh, that nobody closes their drapes in that apartment. Where, where <laughs> it's, it's, it goes basically around all the way around, mm-hmm. so you can sort of. Well, he kind of looks into like like a courtyard. It's like a courtyard. Yeah, it's yeah, a courtyard yeah. with like a, a block that like an apartment block that goes all the way around. And what's crazy is that's all built on a state on like a soundstage wow, really? as, as a set. And we've talked about this before briefly, but oh, okay. you, you may not remember. But basically, Hitchcock was not a big fan of location shooting. Um, he always preferred to use studio when he could for the amount of control <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it would give you. But um, what they did is they literally, in order to give enough space to build this apartment block set, they actually built into – like they basically dug out – the bottom of this the studio yeah. of, the, of the of the soundstage. Oh, okay. and they built down so ah, they would have enough height height to make it look like a like the like there was yeah. height to the buildings. So, that's cool. So they literally built it up, and then they built this entire thing, and it was all working as it would. You could go into an apartment and go to the bathroom. Like it was all plumbing because and, everything was wow. done as if it was real, but it was just set. Jeez. And and like. And you and you could see it all from the windows and stuff. You didn't the way, have to use any kind the of way like that it shows in the movie. You look out the window, you look across the courtyard into the other apartment. That's really like that. It's what you're seeing is is what they built. Wow. Um, and so you know they have all these shots where it's panning across, and you're seeing all the different things going on in the different apartments and things like that. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Rear Window is about uh, Jimmy Stewart's character. He ends up uh, breaking his leg. Yeah, he, he's a he's a photographer. He's like a, he's like a um, News, newspaper. newspaper yeah, but, but he's like a he's like a like a very adventurous kind of uh, yeah. like he goes out and yeah. like he's like the, the the photographer equivalent of like a like a like a international like investigative reporter, reporter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he's a photographer and he's he breaks his leg, so he's he's house ridden. Yeah, and. It's driving him nuts. Mm-hmm. And he just sort of starts, I mean, for lack of a better word, Observing. kind of spying. Yeah. Uh, well, he observes some stuff going on in the apartment across the street. And it draws, he, he's bored. So it yeah. draws his interest. And so he does a lot. I mean, he's he's looking through his camera through, I think he has a telescope? Or is it just his camera? Um, I think it's like a telephoto lens on the oh, camera. Oh, that's right. It's a telephoto lens on the camera. Yeah. And he, he, he starts observing... And, and so he only sees bits and pieces of these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so he starts, he starts trying to like, starts having to fill in the blanks. And, um, I forget the name of the, uh, the female actress who's kind of like his like friend, well, assistant. Yeah. Well, there's the one who's like his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, he gets her to like. Go over there and like. I think oh, I think it's actually his his fiance that goes. Oh, well, that's over. his fiance, Grace right, Kelly. Right. Is Grace character. Kelly is yeah, it's uh, fiance, or yeah. his girlfriend or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think it's his. I think yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they're engaged. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, but For there's example, also Grace Kelly, but there's also yeah. the character who's like his friend who's like, um, uh, yeah. There's yeah. also that as well. So and, there's a couple. Of- and so of course he starts filling the gaps in what he sees happening mm-hmm. in these people, and of course he starts making assumptions. Yeah. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, yeah. and so it's it's interesting because it's a movie where you're watching somebody watch other people, and the limited storytelling, you don't know anything that his character doesn't know, yeah, which is great because you're caught up 
in the suspension. Well, you never, very, well, you never leave the room. You never leave the room. You never yeah. leave the leave the room away from him. Yeah. Um, and so you're you're directly caught up in the suspense and the thrill of it with with, with him mm-hmm. because you don't have any like like you don't have any of that. Oh no, look out! Kind of kind of because you have you don't know what's going to happen next. You have no extra information. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that hits the Alfred Hitchcock does that in a lot of his films where uh, the limited sort of perspective on what the information he tells you mm-hmm. really does a fantastic job of keeping the suspense yep. um, I mean that's, he is the master of suspense yep. um, and uh, and it's sort of of course he, he thinks he sees like it's a, like a murder he thinks that uh, one of the neighbors murdered his wife murdered his wife right and, yeah. and, uh, and of course so it it just escalates from there. Um, it's it's it, it's all about the sort of did it actually happen? Yeah. Or is he just like imagining it based on you know faulty conclusions from limited from the limited yeah. things that he's seen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, that's the whole kind of uh, it's kind of like in the forty in the forties list when I was talking about the the Hitchcock film that I had on my list on that uh, Shadow of a Doubt, Shadow, where yeah. it was all yeah. about the whole thing of the character whose uncle might be this notorious or, serial or killer might not be, or might yeah. not be and it's all about how you you know and you and you won't know for sure till the end type of thing you know that's that's what hitchcock did best and you know or certainly better than most and and uh he does it again here yeah well he does a really good job of the whole like he'll keep you guessing he'll keep you guessing and then he'll present something that convinces you oh this must be it and then a little bit later he'll show you something and you immediately go oh wait yeah. I've totally been wrong this whole time. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, it's not as, like, by sort of today's standards where you have the really crazy, like, you know, the, the M. Night Shyamalan kind of twists where, uh, yeah, where like, yeah, suddenly yeah. everything is just turned upside down. It's not like but that. But those are, like, those are gimmick twists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Hitchcock was never really so much about the gimmick twists. No. They were more just kind of like, like, well, it could be this or it could be this. Well, starting to look like it's this, but actually it's this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly, you know, yeah. that would be the sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so. He also nicely, I, or nicely, but I, I like that nicely. he never leaves you. Like at the end of a Hitchcock movie, you know. Yeah. He doesn't do the like. Yeah. They have I'm satisfying payoffs. The qu- yeah, I'm not gonna. They always have very the satisfying game. payoffs because yeah. it'll be like Which slow is- burn, like tension, tension, yeah. tension, tension, and then. No. Full release of tension at the end yeah, yeah. because something big will happen. It, it, There'll be a big climax, a big you know. And I and I think thrillers and, and window falls in this category where they it makes you feel really good about like all the guesswork you've been doing and stuff like that. To to you finally get an answer because sometimes you guessed right, sometimes you guess wrong. Uh, and I and I think by having proper like yeah proper conclusions re- really um, they make the movie feel. Uh, like a lot of, I guess you could say, like more modern day thrillers well, are all about, like, it's sort of more about like at the end you feel like kind of unsettled and yeah. And his movies are like almost not so much. It's more about building the tension up and then and then resolving resolve, things at the end and making you feel satisfied. Ending, yeah, satisfied. I was going to say happy ending, but no, like a satisfied ending. Mm-hmm. We're like not yeah, always yeah, happy necessarily. Good, but not always but, happy. Happy but, ending wasn't. But, but it releases the tension yeah. at the end. Satisfied and was, it the, satisfies was, the, you. was the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. You and, know, uh, when I was a kid, uh, when I first heard of Rear Window or first mm-hmm. started hearing about it before I'd like seen it or really knew anything 
about Hitchcock or anything. Mm-hmm. I totally thought that it must have to do because of the title. I was confused and I thought it had something to do with like looking through like the rear uh, of a, rear window of a car. Until I and I was this, like, that sounds stupid. How did you make a movie out of that? I mean, until I saw this movie, I didn't know what it was about. I assumed that's what it was. Yeah. I, mean, I assumed that it's something to do with either the rear window car or or like. You know how like like looking into your past, yeah. You know, looking through the but like literally, like I, I was, was like, a play on words. I was a kid, and no. I just I didn't understand. Where we know of a house? I That's... thought I thought it was like I thought it was or like apartment. I thought it was just like literally like some dude like looking back through the rear window of his, yeah, of his yeah. car or something. And I was like, yeah. how do you make a movie out of that? Yeah. That sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, this. Um. I have sort of a runner up for this this okay. number, which. This is the one it was really fighting for, uh, which was also a uh, uh, James Stewart fighting, fighting, fighting. Uh, James Stewart uh, film mm-hmm. from the same year, nineteen fifty-four. Okay, uh, the Glenn Miller story. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm a, I know of it, but I'm yeah. not. I, very familiar. I'm a big fan of uh, Glenn Miller Orchestra. Yeah, um, and uh, he's got he had a very interesting life, uh, and. Uh, it was. It's a docudrama kind of film, uh, and it's just really good. You know, it, the, it's one of those like films like it, it influenced me in such a way that when I see or hear Glenn Miller Orchestra, I I picture Glenn Miller looking like <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, not like how he actually looked. All like right. he has literally become just Jimmy Stewart in my oh, mind. Interesting. Um, but it, it, I really it's it's one of actually I've seen it a number of times and. Uh, I, I really liked it, but um, I feel Rear Window just just deserved a place much yeah. on the list. Well, more, yeah, that's cool. I mean, more, I remember yeah. bringing over the 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 DVD and watching it and showing it and stuff. Yeah. And I, I never knew that you enjoyed it that much. So that's gratifying um, yeah. to know. Well, uh, I mean, Jimmy Stewart was in quite a few Hitchcock films. Uh, yes, he from was. The, I mean, Vertigo, uh, which Man Who Knew Too Much, The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, which I haven't Rope. seen in. In so long, I really need to see again. He's in Rope. Rope. He was also in Rope. Um, I, I like Rope and more, Vertigo. More of a supporting part. But. Yeah, I like Rope and Vertigo, uh, but I, I, I don't like either of those as much as I like Rear Window. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's my number two is, is Rear Window. Fair enough. All right. So number one for you. Number one for me. Well, here we get into an interesting quandary. Okay. Six-way tie! No. (laughs) Because, yes, it's a six-way tie. Uh, We get into an interesting quandary because, as you say, and as I said, I'm I'm more the Hitchcock guy. Yeah. uh, But I haven't had any on my list yet. No, no. And I did not chime in with you on Rear Window. No. So that's odd. Uh, So my number one... Okay, it's obviously on Rear Window. (laughs) My number one is, from 1958, Vertigo. Ah, okay. So... That's cool. I mean, if you're not as into it, that's fine. Oh, no. I no, love no, Vertigo. Like, I like Vertigo a lot, just yeah. not quite as much as I like Rear Window. I just feel like it's the most, like, it's where it all comes together, and it's just the most, it's the ultimate expression of the Hitchcockian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say, I mean, he still made good films after that, too. I mean... Um, he made some good stuff in the early '60s as well, um, which is beyond the uh, purview of this of this list. But um, see episode, yeah, that the sixty sixty or no, uh, I was going to say see episode uh, where we talked about. Um, oh no, that was a '70s movie. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, no. I'm talking like you yeah, know, yeah. Psycho stuff like that. Psycho, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> see episode six. But certainly, um, <laughs> but but Vertigo to me is just like where it's like it all just came together at the highest possible level. It has just amazing like psychological sophistication in terms of the story like that it tells and 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 how um like psychologically sophisticated it is when you look at other like 50s films mm. um which i mean i'm not saying that to denigrate any other films they just it wasn't usually a thing to try to make films that that sophisticated uh, in that way at the time um and also because of the code they're very limited as to the subjects or how they could approach certain subjects and even vertigo had to kind of dance around certain things um but it it's amazing what it gets away with mm-hmm. i think at that point i mean Hitch, hitchcock was just so dominant that you know he could get away with stuff that probably no one else could uh even though there are still things where he had to tweak things here and there um to satisfy the code office but uh, nevertheless, it, it's pretty impressive what he was able to do, and it's more, m- more importantly, even more impressive in terms of that they were able to get the idea across uh, of what they were trying to express while staying within those those boundaries. Um, it's the introduction of the the uh, notorious <laughs> or famous uh, v- vertigo effect, as is often yeah. mentioned, the dolly zoom. Um, so basically, you're, the camera's mounted on a dolly, and you're either dollying backwards and zooming in at the same time, or or zooming out and dollying in, in. forwards yeah. at the same time. It doesn't really matter which way you do. It has a slightly different effect, but it's basically the same idea. Um, and so essentially, the character that's standing in the foreground s- stays where they are, and the background kind of stretches yeah. you know, away uh, in this very disorienting kind of way. I'm sure you've seen the effect... Um, well, there's, I mean, the famous scene from this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where it began. Yeah, that's yeah, literally yeah. the first, mm-hmm. the first use of it. Um, but I mean, even something as, as recent as, um, like Lord of the Rings, like the first Lord of the Rings movie, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, like yeah. it's literally in there, uh, when they first, when the hobbits are on the road and they first, uh, right. encounter like the black rider coming down the road and they r- go to run off the road. And there's that like moment of like unease, and it's literally that effect, and they did it physically the same way that they did it back then. Like they just, you just well, it's a, dolly it's, one it's, way and zoom the other. It's a simple technique with, that has great effect when done well. Like, yeah. It just, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just um, great film. Yeah, uh, Kim Novak. Yes, was yeah. the the leading lady in it, and. Uh, it was originally meant to be for uh, Vera Miles, who um, Hitchcock had worked with before, and um, he ended up getting ill, and it delayed the production of the film, and by the time um, he was well enough to um, continue working on it, um, Vera Miles had gotten pregnant, oh. and she was unable to do the film, and then uh, there were, but then, so they, so he, he Hitch decided to get go with Kim Novak instead but there was delays in getting uh getting her because she had to finish this other project first that she was contracted for and so by the time she was actually available technically Vera Miles could have 
done it because so much time had passed that uh, her pregnancy was done with. But um, uh, Hitch decided to stick with Kim Novak, and they actually had to make a deal because she was under contract with Columbia, and they actually had to do an exchange where, uh, in order to get her in Vertigo. Um, James Stewart had to go and make a film with her at Columbia, which was uh, Bell Book and Candle, Candle yeah. which is an entertaining movie, but certainly nowhere near the kind of classic kind of thing of Vertigo is. It's a very kind of silly, it's a very um, trivial movie, I guess mm. you could say. Mm. Um, but it's entertaining. I mean, oh, yeah, I like it's, Bell, Book, and it's yeah. you know, um, Jack Lemmon is in it, and yeah. it's it's funny, and it's. I'm gonna write that down. I need to see that again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but I mean, it's certainly not the sort of like super amazing classic kind of no, thing that Vertigo no. is, and certainly doesn't have any kind of, any of this sort of sophistication. Like, it's a very trivial, just kind of light, fluffy movie. Um, nothing really particularly special about it, but it's just it's just good. It's entertaining. Um, but yeah, they had to basically make an exchange because back then, that of happened, course, that the stu- it was all the studio system, and yeah. the, the actors would all be under contract. So if you wanted them. They often had to make a deal between the studios in order to make that work. So, um, but it was worth it in the end because it, it all came out right. And uh, Vertigo is great. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that's some good. sometimes known to have uh, to have uh, overtaken um, <laughs> Citizen Kane as the supposed best film ever. Um, of course, those are all you know subjective yeah, things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. On some lists, that's that's something that's happened and. You know, I've seen other lists where it's sort of in the top ten of all time, things mm-hmm. like that. So, but you know, it's generally very highly regarded. But um, for me, it's just I like Hitchcock I mean, films, and that definitely to be probably the one. next to Psycho, Vertigo is his like most. Well-known. That's like number two on the, the Alfred Hitchcock list, like sort of know. most well known, most well known. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, nice, nice, excellent. I'm, I'm glad you got the, the Hitchcock on there. <laughs> I uh, I was like, he hasn't done a Hitchcock yet. And I know, like, the 50s is Hitchcock. <laughs> and I mean, I, I quite assuredly, I mean, both of us have been a little bit more difficult for me, but both of us, we could easily just do, like, top five Hitchcock films. Oh, yeah. You know? But uh, I like to do it this way because yeah. it's like... We get to include I, I did a Hitch, I did a Hitchcock film for the 40s. I did one for the 50s. 50s. Yep. Might be, do you want for the sixties? You never know. We'll yeah. see what happens. You gotta wait ten episodes to find out. Well, I guess no, nine episodes. <laughs> There's a lot of sixties movies that I like, mm-hmm. so a lot. So yeah. that's gonna be a tough one. Probably even tougher than the fifties. So we'll see. Um, all yeah. right. So your one. I guess. So my number one. Um, also from 1954, like my number two. Uh, yeah, contains, a lot of 54. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, a, a lot of my runner-ups and stuff like that are also from 54. 54 was a big... Apparently. <laughs> um, this contains two of my favorite uh, actor and actress. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say, like, two of my favorite fruit. Two of, this there contains are, two of my favorite fruits. There are peaches fruits. and also <laughs> apples, apples or something. I don't know. Uh, there are, as far as I know, no peaches and apples in this film that I remember. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um, sorry. Uh, two of your favorite actors and actresses. Two of my favorite actors. Um, it's a Billy Wilder film. Man, Billy Wilder. With starring Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. Also, William Holden from Moon the Moon is Blue. Sabrina. Okay. This is also, this is number one on this list. This is also one of, this, Sabrina is probably one of my top ten films of yeah, all time yeah. as well. 
That's I... good, because this is the one without the super racist character in it. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> this is the one that you can just be into, un, like, unapologetically, because there isn't that one aspect that you have to just be like, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Breakfast obviously. Tiffany's, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Yeah. Sabrina. Yeah. Um, great film. Uh, yeah, I... I seen i've probably seen this movie a dozen times yeah i uh, have not seen it super what recently. year was it sorry uh 54 54 right yeah. yeah you said that yeah i even commented yeah on it. that's all right that's all right um so many I, numbers flying around i'm 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 a big i mean um i'm a big sucker for for like audrey hepburn films mm-hmm. i i like almost every film she's been in there's, there's a few eh, ones uh again uh uh, often it's just like I just didn't find the film very entertaining. You know, nothing on on her. Um, she was in uh, our recently reviewed. Um, uh, what was the name of that? Uh, when the lights go out, where she plays the blind. Person. Oh, wait until dark. Wait until dark. That, that was yeah, yeah. Was not that recent anymore. Though. Uh, I, I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> two episodes ago. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I really like Humphrey Bogart. Um, yep, he did a number of. Well, he came uh, up quite a lot. In our forties, in our four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forties was real Humphrey Bogart time. <laughs> um, I mean, included he was in my number one as well. Uh, but uh, um, uh, for people who haven't seen Sabrina, or they did a remake later in the, I think it was in the nineties, uh, which wasn't a bad remake. Uh, I, I like it, but not as much as original. Yeah, um, that seems to be the general consensus. Yeah, yeah most, well, remake most people remakes are, you know, yeah. Um, it's about um, the uh, these two brothers, played by Humphrey Bogart and William Holden. One very serious businessman, Humphrey uh, Bogart's character, and William Holden. The he's the carefree playboy, and um, he falls in love with the chauffeur's daughter, who is played by Sabrina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, Audrey sorry, Hepburn. Name Sabrina, played by Audrey Hepburn. Uh, <laughs> played by Sabrina the Teenager. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. No, played by Audrey like, Hepburn. In animated form. Um, it's one of those hybrid yeah, uh, it's, live it's, action animated yeah. films. And so, um, <laughs> but um, they're, they're trying to get, uh, the family is trying to get uh, William Holden to become a responsible person. Right. And so they basically ask Bogart to like, look, can you take care of this situation? You know, can you manage this so we can get like get the notion that he is going to marry her out of here because we need to get him out of here. We need to make him a responsible adult for the family. Uh and and we need you to to, to manage this situation. And just sort of through uh, character interactions, because again, he uh, Humphrey Bogart plays like the he's all about you know business and finance, and you know sleeps in the office, he you know shaves in the office, lives in the office, kind of uh, you know managing the, the family's business. Um, versus a you know William Holden character who's just like he's the billionaire playboy, um, and she is uh, you know she's the chauffeur's daughter. And how they all play against each other is just great. And uh, they each draw out different aspects of their characters. Uh, you know, Sabrina draws out 
the soft side in the Humphrey Bogart's very hard-edged character, and at the same time, he makes her realize the very seriousness of the life that, you know, uh, that he lives and, and how serious life can be, because she doesn't really, I mean, she's kind of just lived in this mansion helping her dad, uh, who's also, uh, I can't remember the actor's name now, but, um, He's quite a, a character who kind of disapproves of the whole situation. Like, he's like, you know, our, our, we live in the, the garage, they live in the house, and that is, you know, he, he's very he's very old school. You know, the servants and the master, the masters, wow, that sounded worse. <laughs> the servants and the, the, you know, the, employer. the, the employer, you don't know, mix, you know. And, uh, you know, she's younger and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, and so it's, it's an story of discovery and and there's you know I won't, you know there's a sort of a twist to it you know you know those who've seen it know and those who haven't wouldn't uh yeah. but uh, you know, i'm not gonna spoil it but it's a, it's all a social experiment by aliens yeah yeah surprise um no but it, it's always the case it's the characters are great the writing's great the story is 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 nice it's like a it's, it's a feel-good um yeah. it's funny um I just really love this film. Um, See, that's I feel it, like that's something where it's like, oh, it's funny. Yeah, that should be a given in like a comedy. Yeah, but you look at comedies, uh, not always. And yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, yeah. that's why I'm not really like a big comedy guy because you look at it and half the time, you're just like, yeah, it's not really that funny. It's 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 a it's a type of humor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that obviously appeals to a certain. You know, <laughs> segment of, of there's a demographic who like who audience, laughs at this, but, but yeah, it's like, eh, you know, imagine that making a comedy actually funny. Yeah. Um. So, and sometimes it's like almost like what you were saying at the begin at the, in the intro there, where like sometimes the limitations of the code era, yeah, you know, can actually lead to things actually being funnier in a way yes. because you can't just. Say, we gotta be clever. You, you can't just say whatever you want to say. You can't yeah, just use yeah. like street language as yeah, we would yeah. call it today. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you have to you have to actually like kind of think of clever ways to get these mm. things across. Um and uh that often can be funnier, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Uh I I mean not that like you know, before anyone calls me a hypocrite, I like some movies that have like some pretty like vulgar humor yeah. and vulgar language in them. I'm not saying that that's never uh, okay to no, do. No, I'm no, just saying no, no. that it, that shouldn't be used as a substitution yeah, for yeah. actually being funny. Yeah, like like just being vulgar is not in yeah. itself funny. Like you, you know, you have, there has to be something backing yeah. it up. You know, so um, uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, Played in a number of other movies. Uh, like now, uh, this sub- is fifty four, so she would have been really young at yes. this point, still, yeah, eh? Yeah. Um, this movie really like uh, this movie like encapsulates like what I like about fifties movies the best. Like, like sort of the style, the the characters, the dialogue. Like a lot of my movies, like The Moon Is Blue, Some Like It Hot, um, they're of this sort of style of film where there's a lightness to it. Uh, there's a cleverness to it. Um, the you know uh, a lot of these are sort of um, there's a little bit of romance. There's a little bit like this one doesn't have anything musical in it, but some of them have musical tones to it. Um, it. It's just it's a style of film we just don't get anymore. Like I can't think of 
a movie from the last 20 years that I could say, oh, that's like Sabrina. Like, no, that just doesn't exist anymore. I... Like, these I, I feel like films, that's a pretty general like sweeping statement, and I feel like you probably... Oh, I'm sure there is. There probably are things that are in the same sort of vein, but obviously it wouldn't have the no. the exact feel because I feel it's kind just of not that time anymore. The the kind of the the quirky the quirky romantic comedy is is sort of like what this has become. The and the, you know, uh quirkiness was definitely not a thing necessarily like like in the style that we have now. Yeah, it's, it was different. Yeah, I mean yeah, it, yeah. it existed. I mean there were definitely it, movies with quirky characters. It existed but in a, in a different sure. way. Yeah. Um uh, Audrey Everett actually played a number of other films sort of very similar to this uh, that I also really like uh, in the time. Uh, she played opposite uh, Gregory Peck in Roman Holiday mm-hmm. and opposite to the previously mentioned Gene Kelly in An American in Paris. That's a good movie. Uh, which, yeah, both of those, both of those I also, I also really like. Um, uh, and they're, they're, again, of this sort of, you know, same... Uh, style it's this sort of uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not comedy, too familiar but... with Roman Holiday I, like I know of it but yeah. but American Paris I, American I, Paris I, I know is... because it's Gene Kelly and it's Gene Kelly yeah, I previously no, mentioned that I was a yeah. Gene Kelly fan so um, yeah it's, uh, I mean it's no, I don't more, know it's much more like I don't a, know it as well as yeah. Singing in the Rain but yeah um, there's she also did um, a movie called Funny Face uh, which I is like Oh, that's it's like sort of like a well-regarded movie of the, from that time too. I I did not like it's it's fair. it's it it actually is quirky, mm-hmm. but in a way I didn't really enjoy. Yeah. Um, that's fair. But uh, but no, no, yeah, yeah. So yeah, number one, my number one is Sabrina. Cool. Fifty-four, right? Yeah. Nineteen fifty. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll just uh, do my runner-up things. Yeah, here yeah, yeah. Sure. Quick. Um, so. Like I said, uh, my runner-ups are kind of all relating in some way to the mm-hmm. uh, the one that they're the runner-up to. Yeah. Um, and then number one just kind of stands on its own. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fur to go. It had to be. It yeah. was just, you know, like, you know, I'm a Hitchcock guy, and that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. good stuff. So uh, so my runner-up for number five, so number five was Day the Earth Still, which yep. was from 51, and mm-hmm. it was kind of science fiction, black and white, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so my runner-up for that is uh, also from '51. Is uh, the thing, or the thing from another world? Is that was that was that was actually one I was surprised was not on your list, but I figured it's close. But I went with David Russo still because I feel that the message that it puts across and just how how poignant it is in Mm. terms of uh, the applicability to the world and stuff. The thing is more like just entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's interesting about it, and I'll try to be fairly quick with these because I know they're runner-ups rather than real, yeah. real choices, but uh, I just want to quickly explain. The thing about it is that I always assumed that it was just, like, some crappy, like, 50s, like, B-movie oh, yeah, that yeah. they, you know, because obviously there's the 82, the, the John Carpenter yeah. version, which yeah. is amazing as well. Um, and I always just figured, like, oh, it's like it's like the blob where it was just, like, this really kind of silly, campy kind of thing. Oh, you know, eh. And I was never interested until I found out many years later, uh, not so long ago, um, that a the thing is actually very highly regarded as being yeah. an extremely good film, but and b uh, that it was produced by Howard Hawks. So I finally watched it, like just 
you know, uh, a, I want to say like a few years ago, but it was probably like four, five, you know, five now or something like that. And I, and I finally watched it and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Cause it has all of like the hallmarks of those classic Howard Hawks films. Uh, technically he didn't direct it, but there's some debate as to how much, cause the officially credited director was kind of like, like a bit of like a protege of Hawks and, Apparently Hawks was on set a lot of the time mm. and may have sort of contributed to like he kind of kind of co-directed in a way like because ah. like apparently he had a lot of influence and stuff. So the, depending on who you talk to, it's there's argument as opposed to, as about how much he really can be considered the director. But officially, he's not the director; he's the producer. But it's very much his style. It's the snappy, overlapping dialogue. You know, it's just like that. All those great '40s things that films that he did. Um, but it's in the context of this like fifties monster sci-fi movie, which is so crazy, but it's so good. Um, so that's the run off from that one. Uh, for my number four, uh, it was, um, seven samurai from 1954 Japanese film. Um, my runner up on that is probably what you thought it was going to be, which is the other 1954 Japanese film, uh, Gojira, of course. Um, which is the, the original Japanese version. Um, so it was like a couple of years later, actually, that they re-edited it for the American release. That's right, yeah. As uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And uh, they put in the stuff with Raymond Burr and that, um, playing like an American reporter who just like stands there and like comments on everything that's going on, even though you can see perfectly well what's going on. Um, it's the equivalent of like in the old comics where they used to like have text narrating everything that's happening even though you're looking at the pictures and you can see it happening um so but the original film uh the original japanese version released in 54 is not what a lot of people think it's very like it's very serious it's it's like a very sober kind of meditation on the nature of like the destruction that japan went through Uh uh result of world war ii and everything and it's kind of like a metaphor for that and stuff and and just their you know it's kind of the beginning of or the early days of their sort of uh cultural obsession with uh with apocalyptic 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 themes as a result of being the only country to have actually been atomic bombed in war um so uh yeah it's pretty serious stuff it's very gritty it's you know black and white and very kind of noir um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it, Godzilla is just a force of destruction that is destroying the city and, you know, people are being hurt and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very, um, but it's just, yeah, the American really well re-edit done. completely changes the tone of the movie in such a way. Somewhat. It's ridic- <laughs> yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not as bad. It's it not- loses that like, the, like sort of like that, you say, yeah. like that somberness. That, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it because, uh, you know, it's made to be more palatable to the American audience mm-hmm. of the time. Um, so that's that. Uh, my three uh, runner up is so my three was for 56 Forbidden Planet. Um, my three is kind of different, but in a similar sort of vein in terms of um, science fiction. And again, uh, this one's from 1953. And um, it's uh, again, like with Forbidden Planet, it's very effects oriented very like exciting a lot of like action and stuff like that and it's war of the worlds again um, thought that was going to be on your list well again it was very close yeah. but what can you do you only have so many spots yeah, yeah. um so i mean war of the worlds is just 
it's awesome. I mean, there's like the effects and stuff are so good uh, for the time and everything. There's so many cool visual things, and it's just really awesome. Um, and then uh, my two runner-up um, is uh, not quite the same. Like sing- the other ones are so close to what they're running up to. Um, this one's my runner-up to Sing the Rain, and it's kind of sort of different, but I guess it's in the same general category of just being very like uh, a very kind of enjoyable, joyous thing. And it ha- it has songs in it too and uh-huh. stuff. But I guess, but it's uh, from 1959, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is like one of my favorite oh. childhood movies. Um, probably, I, I remember now that you probably you like this film. Yeah, yeah so yeah, Disney yeah. live action Disney film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably is my favorite childhood film, at least like non animated anyway. And um, it's a really young Sean Connery. Well, I guess not that young, but quite, it's, it's pre Bond, so yeah. he's pretty young by what you're used to seeing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's Disney film, so I mean it has songs being sung in it and stuff, and it has. Um, lots of adventure and special effects and it, there's not a lot of movies that are based on like elements of like Irish mythology. So I'm always looking out for things like that. Cause, um, that's always interesting and there's just not much, very much of it. And, um, yeah, it's just great fun movie, but I just, I don't know. I just felt like it's definitely a favorite of mine and it's especially like a, a childhood favorite, but I just felt like, it didn't quite make the top, the actual top things, just because it's kind of it's it's a movie like it's not as classic necessarily, like it's not as universally like a, you wouldn't find it on like top ten best yeah, ofs yeah. of all time list. You know, most people wouldn't even think about it. I guess it's kind of underrated in that way, but mm-hmm. but it's just uh, on a personal level, it's just you know something that I really like. So. So I felt like I had to at least have it as a runner. Oh, that's I mean those all those are equally uh, great movies. Yeah, yeah. No, excellent. I said um, I had to draw the line somewhere. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the trick. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I get to my also rants, I have two special mentions. Oh yeah, um, yeah. This is your crazy yeah um, special mentions. The with first one specific is, reasons why uh, the reason this is on here is because it already appeared on another list. Okay. Uh, and it's White Christmas, which okay. was my number one of my. Christmas, Christmas movies. Yeah. It also, it's from 1954, so it's a 50s movie. Yeah. And I, I, I was going to put it on the list. I was going to put it on the list. And I was like, no, it, it was already number one on another list. Right. I, there's, I, it's been. It seems strange. It's, it, yeah. Well, it's like. It's, I, I've already, I can't I've guarantee that that it. will never happen. Oh, no. No, for sure. For sure. As we go forward. Yeah. But, you know. With a Christmas movie, that can just stay on the Christmas list. That's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. And the other one is, it is indirectly a movie I enjoy. But I've never actually seen the movie alone itself, and that is This Island Earth oh. via Mystery Science Theater 3000, okay. the movie. Yeah. So it's I enjoy This Island Earth through that lens, but I've never actually seen This Island The Earth. actual film is actually not bad. Is it actually not bad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not top five material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, it's not Forbidden Planet. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's not. It's uh, yeah. not actually a bad movie. Um, That's the thing is, is that the the, the mis- It's often misconstrued that that everything that Mister Science Theater three thousand does and stuff like that is all like t- doing bad movies. And stuff, no, which no, is not a lot the case at all. Is, is, a lot yeah. of the stuff they do is actually they're yeah. they're decent movies. They're just they just have a lot of potential for funny commentary. Um, they do a lot of genuinely terrible movies as well, obviously, yeah. but. But not everything that they do is necessarily bad. It's or or even are they necessarily 
I mean, even now, right? Like some of the guys from that do the riff tracks. That's thing. right. Yeah, and there's riff tracks for like genuinely classic, classic great movies. movies. Yeah. You know, but hey, just because it's a great movie doesn't mean you can't make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, some some really great movies still have a lot of material that you can potentially uh, joke about. So, yeah, All right, um, cool. Yeah, uh, so I'll just do a quick run through of some Miles Sorans here. I got uh, Peter Pan, which uh, like the, the Disney animated Peter yeah. Pan. I really like that. Um, High Noon. I, I I liked it a lot. Um, and again, you know, we're we're very. Uh, apolitical for the most part. This what we're never going to make mm. like political issues. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know what you're going to say. I, yeah. I liked it a lot when I was a kid. I have a lot of difficulty with the racism now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, just because not, not not because I'm like I'm like oh, I'm offended. I'm not that yeah. type of person. Well, you have the ability that I like. You have the sensibility to look through the movie from the lens of when it was made. Yeah, you know. yes, but at the same time, when I see it, I'm just I just. I'm not comfortable oh, I with yeah, yeah, the yeah. level that it gets yeah. to. Um, but it's, you know, it's fun. What, and, Emmett, what makes the red man red? Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's just... Um, it, I, I definitely like it, it more. It goes for, a little like, far. I enjoy, you know... It's all right. The Peter Pan himself and yeah. Captain Hook, especially, which uh, yep. leads to my love of the movie Hook. Yeah. Um, which is... You know, if you want to avoid the racism, watch Hook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Even though the Hook is generally regarded as a bad movie. Yeah. I think it's I, I, I think uh, it's uh, underrated. I mean, I... I it, was see, on my, it was on my also rents for it's not perfect. Films. It's not perfect, but yeah. it's it's definitely underrated in the sense that it's not what... I mean, yeah, everyone, well says, regarded, everyone yeah, says it's bad, but yeah. I, I never thought it was bad, but whatever. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, High Noon. Uh, yeah. The King and I. Uh, Yul Brenner. Et cetera. Et cetera. Et cetera. He, th- that was a that was another one that was like almost on my no- was almost that's like that's like number six. That's a good movie. Like, yeah, it's oh, so that's yeah. really a movie. Yul Brenner is great. Yeah, Yul Brenner. Another one of those like such like immense amount of like amazing dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yul Brenner is great. Yeah, The African Queen. That's great. Um, Harvey for another uh, Jimmy Stewart movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then some of the, the previously mentioned American Paris, Roman Holiday. Cool. Uh, you know, Glenn Miller story. Yeah. Well, I can see why you had trouble. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, last one. Uh, that was, it was almost a tie for one of them, and I, I bumped it. It's one we both saw recently, which was uh, Ace in the Hole from 1951. Uh, that no, I didn't, I didn't see it. Oh, I thought we watched it I wasn't that here together. for that. No, no, no. Oh. We were going to, and then it just took a long time. time and and I think you were just like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and watch it. And yeah. so you haven't seen it? No. Oh. Really, really recommend Kirk Douglas is right. great. It's a good. It's a really to. good film. Yeah, I'll try to no. get around to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, going through fifties movies led to a movie that every time I see a thing about this movie, I'm like, oh, jeez, I need to watch that film because it's very well regarded, and I know I will like it. And then I just, I just forget, and that's North by Northwest. Right, yeah. And that's I, kind of the the it, missing piece in the Hitchcock puzzle. Yeah, his, I haven't seen I, it either. You haven't seen it either. No. It's because it's on, it's from like a different studio than than his other, so it's not like on collections. Or yeah, anything so like it's that. like yeah. it's harder to find. We should we to, should maybe make that an episode. You have to make more of an effort to like yeah. actually track it down. Yeah, so, but I, I really I, I need to see. <laughs> yeah, so do I. So do yeah. I. I've heard really good yeah. things. So uh, yeah, excellent. So that's our that's our top five uh, top five movies from 1950s. I almost mm-hmm. said top 50 movies again. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and. Uh, 
And yeah. You gotta make that mistake 50 more times. 50 more right? times. 47 more times. 47 yeah. more times. <laughs> uh, so, uh, thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned at the, the start of the episode, we you know, appreciate everyone who's been, been uh, listening to, to, to it. And again, like Fuck Him and said, if you know someone who likes uh, um, movies and likes to listen to podcasts about movies, you know, um, send them our way. You know, yeah. Uh, we're we're not for everyone, but we we hope we, we are uh, for everyone. We're, we're e we're for, for ev- everyone. We're e for everyone. Um, everybody. Uh, we we uh, we hope uh, we hope you like it. Um, so we don't have any immediate plans. We do actually. Oh, do we? Yes, but that's all right. Oh, I, I think I I, I okay. I, I have think, forgotten our immediate. Plans. I don't think we necessarily have to say <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll what, what's coming up every okay. time because no, okay. I think sometimes it's better to it's just keep, better to keep it a surprise. That's it. no, it's fine. It's but, fine. Uh, It'll be a surprise to me. I think that uh, we're pretty well booked for the oh, next yeah, okay. little while. Yeah. yeah. Um, that being I probably said, know what we're doing. I just don't know necessarily the order we're doing stuff. That in. being said, we do have episode fifty-two um, coming up, which will be our one-year episode. Yeah. That being said, um, if there is anybody who has any ideas or requests or anything of something yeah. they'd like us to specifically review or talk about or watch mm-hmm. or do um then feel free to let us know either yeah right here on soundcloud or on the facebook or whatever um and we definitely would um you know would would take a look at that yeah um but uh as it stands we haven't really been getting a lot of these sort of requests so we we, we have a, a list of we have a list basically <laughs> yeah of, yeah what's coming up yeah. essentially and so um bar anyone kind of making a special request or anything like that we mm-hmm. pretty much know what's coming up for the next little while so yeah. um we haven't decided on what the next top five will be yet that's the one but we yeah. do have a list mm-hmm. of potential, potential top, fives top fives to draw from so yeah. we'll we'll figure that out um i actually have a suggestion for another top one five, excellent yeah, yeah can't wait um but yeah uh so I, yeah, so I guess that's it for this week, yep. and uh, we'll we'll see y'all next week. Yep. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Till, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Till then, cheers. Bye bye.